And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. This is Warren Landis, and I am your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And I want to say hello to all of our listeners right now on Spotify and some of the other platforms that we're broadcasting on here at Sunshine USA. It is a great joy for me to welcome you to the program at this time. I do have a prayer request I want to share with you before we get started with today's uh, podcast. I, I want to share with you that I'm having some trouble with my back. In particular, I'm having uh, a lot of lower back pain. And at one point the other day, it was so bad I could hardly get myself up. <laughs> and to make matters worse, uh, I was sleeping last night and somehow I managed to fall off the bed and <laughs> boy I had a time getting back into the bed getting myself up off the floor uh, very painful and yet I know that we have a lot of prayer warriors who listen to this broadcast on a regular basis and not only that but I also know that um, God is in the healing business God still performs miracles. I'm one of these people. I don't believe miracles and healings were limited to 2,000 years ago. I think that God still does miracles today. I think he still does healing today. And one reason I know this is because in the past I have been the recipient of many healings from the Lord. And that's why I can say with confidence, no matter what you're going through right now, it might be physical, it might be financial, it might be a business-related problem. It might be an academic problem. But whatever problem you're going through right now, the Lord is more than able to take care of that problem if you only commit it to Him. And if you let Him be the Lord of your life, let Him call the shots, God could take care of it. Amen. That's why I could tell you that no matter how far you've drifted from God, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've done it, God can still love you, and God still forgives you. He still has an exciting plan for your life. And all you have to do is be willing to receive it. Amen. Amen. By the way, if you have prayer requests of your own, I would love to hear them. If you have Bible study questions, I'd love to get those as well. The best way to do that is to contact me by email. And I have two email addresses, warrenlandis at yahoo.com and warrenlandis at gmail.com. Either way, uh, I will get your prayer requests and Bible study questions, and I will act on them immediately. Uh, the reason I can tell you that is because I'm the only staff member here, and I don't get a salary. I do it simply because I love the Lord and because I love God. Okay? Okay. Well, let's go to the Lord prayer and we'll get started with today's Bible study. Dear Lord, I just want to pray right now for the needs of all of our radio listeners. Lord, I know right now we have people that are going through financial difficulty. I know that people are going through physical difficulty. They have all kinds of pains and illnesses. God, we have some that are having marriage difficulties. God, I know that no matter what people are facing right now, you are more than capable of taking care of the situation. And so, Lord, we pray that not our will, but your will be done. We pray that your will becomes our will, 
And we can hardly wait to see what you're going to do. And most of all, Lord, we want to thank you and praise you in advance for what we know you're going to do. Lord, be with me as I teach on the broadcast this morning. Give my listeners the words that they need to hear. Guide my mouth, Lord. Help me, Lord, to say everything you want me to say. And Lord, don't allow me to say anything that's not in line with your will. And once again, Lord, we praise you and thank you for all we know you're going to do. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles and turn in the book of Acts, chapter 10. Now last time, I believe we covered Acts chapter 10. Um, verse 23 through 33, I believe it was. Um, we talked about how Peter was allowed to see a blanket coming down from heaven, and on this blanket were all kinds of animals. Animals that were good for food, but animals that Peter normally would never eat because he was a devout Jew. And uh, most of you know that devout Jews did not eat just anything. They were very particular about what they ate. God gave them a diet and they stuck to it. And Peter more than most. But notice that the Lord commands Peter, he says, eat. Kill these animals and eat them. And notice the reaction of Peter. He says, Lord, I can't do that. I'm a, I'm a self-respecting Jew. I, th these are not on my diet. I can't eat them, Lord. But nonetheless, God says, kill them and eat them. Now, the overall message that God was giving to Peter was this. My word, my message, my gospel is no longer restricted to the Jews. Now, you know, when you go through the Old Testament, the vast majority of the Old Testament is filled with all kinds of examples of God dealing only with the Jews for the most part. Now, there are some exceptions here. For example, God raised up the prophet Jonah to go to Nineveh. The people of Nineveh were not Jews. They were Gentiles. So even in the Old Testament, we could argue the, the Gentiles were not totally excluded, but were mostly excluded. But now, God is wanting his gospel to be made available, not just to the circumcised Jews, but to everyone. That was the message that God was giving to Peter. Now bearing in mind they had the Great Commission already where Jesus told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now notice here in the Great Commission it doesn't say and preach the gospel only to the Jews. They are told to preach the gospel in all the world. That included Gentiles as well as Jews. 
Now, we're going to see some examples here about how Peter was not comfortable with this setup. <laughs> I mean, on one side of the coin, he fully understood, I think, what God was telling him, that his message was no longer restricted to the Jews only. But the fact that the Gentiles were now freely receiving the gospel, and as we're going to see in today's lesson, they were even filling, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. This was something that Peter and the other Jews were not used to seeing. You know, it goes without saying, the church here in the United States today has undergone a lot of changes over the years, and I know that this is true in other countries as well. I think back, for example, to some of the earliest church services that I remember attending starting in the early 1960s, and the worship service that we had in the early 1960s was a lot different from the worship services we have today. I, I can remember back in those days, we would go to church, we'd walk into the church auditorium, and the church organist would be playing a very somber selection on the organ. Uh, to be honest with you, it sounded a lot like funeral music. And that was sending us a signal that pretty soon now the church service was about to begin and we needed to start turning our hearts and minds toward God. And of course, we would sing various songs from the hymn book and uh, then, of course, the preacher would ultimately get up and bring his message. Boy, I tell you, that was exciting. <laughs> I can remember later services, especially on Sunday night and Wednesday night, we would sing hymns, and a lot of times what happened was... Uh, People would tell the minister of music what song they wanted to sing, and we would send, sing one or two stanzas of that song. And then after that, we would hear another song. And all around and in between, we would have testimonies, people testifying what God had done for them that week. Or maybe they would share a prayer request. We would take time to pray. Now, of course, churches don't use the hymn book so much anymore. And regretfully, the old hymns, we don't sing them much anymore either. We have a lot of worship and praise songs which are done, and, and I will criticize that, by the way, because if you look at the lyrics of these modern worship and praise songs, they're not all bad. In fact, many of these modern Worship and praise songs have lyrics that are literally taken out of the book of Psalms, which at one time served as Israel's official national hymn book. So there's a lot of good things that can be said about some of the modern worship and praise songs that we sing. Having said that, though, I do think it would be great 
if we continued finding a way to continue singing these old hymns of the church and teach them to our young people. Because the hymns were not only great hymns, but they taught us a lot about the Bible. They taught us a lot about theology. And that makes it all the more sad that we don't see these hymns anymore being sung in the church. And of course, you know, even preaching has changed to some degree. And here it's not necessarily for the better. A lot of preachers today are wanting to preach these positive thinking messages because they want to be popular. They want to be loved and cherished. But you see, a good preacher knows that he has to sometimes bring messages that are not popular, messages that the people don't want to hear, but they're messages that the people need to hear. Sometimes issues of sin have to be addressed from the pulpit. Sometimes it can really be rather painful to go to church because we realize we really aren't the people God wants us to be. Amen. We have to learn to tell it like it is. If people love us, that's great, but if they don't love us, we have to continue doing what God has called us to do. Amen. Amen. Well, now, on the broadcast today, we see that Peter is in Cornelius' home. Now, as Peter has already pointed out to Cornelius, he says, you know, it's a big thing what I'm doing here. He says, normally, a Jewish man like me would never be caught dead in the home of a Gentile. But here I am. And Peter now is going to go a step beyond that. He's actually going to preach to the Gentiles gathered together at the home of Cornelius. So let's see what happens here in Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. That's a powerful statement that Peter opens his message with. God is no respecter of persons. Now, by the way, that cuts both ways. In other words, I don't care how popular you are in this life. I don't care how wealthy you are. I don't even care what position you have in the church. When you do wrong, when you commit sin... You're going to have to deal with God. You don't get any special breaks just because you're a member of the church, just because you give a lot of money to the church, just because you serve on the deacon or elder board. God is no respecter of persons, but this also means that the word of God is no longer limited to the Jews. The Word of God 
is now gloriously being made available to the Gentiles. <laughs> the Jews can't keep the gospel to themselves anymore. Amen. This gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ is now being made available to the Gentiles. Okay? Now, let's uh, read on. He says, But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from, Gen from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and um, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. And we are witnesses of all the things which he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hung on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. That's in verse 40. In other words, Peter is saying to the crowd here, he says, I'm one of the Jewish disciples that was with Jesus day and night all throughout his ministry. I saw all the miracles that he performed. I heard all the sermons he ever preached. He says, me and the other disciples, we were all witnesses to that which the Lord did and said. And then he reminds the people that it was the Jewish people who were ultimately responsible for putting... Jesus on the cross. They rejected him. Now some people say, no, it was actually the Romans who killed Jesus on the cross, and actually that's true. But the Romans never would have done that had the Jews not insisted on it. Well, let's read on. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto the witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with them after he rose up from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to judge the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remissions of sin. Now while Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them 
which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished, as many came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they heard them speaking with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. And so we see that ultimately not only was Jesus, I mean, not only was Peter's message well received, the Gentiles responded by getting saved, and Peter then commanded them to be baptized. And then here they are, the Gentiles, pleading with Peter to stay at least a few more days. And apparently Peter does. And obviously, once again, God is clearly showing Peter, as well as other Jews, that this message of God is no longer limited to the Jews, but in fact is made available to the Gentiles as well. Now, you and I as Gentile believers today, we can get very excited about that. And the reason that we could get very excited about that is because most Christians today here in America, for example, are, are Gentiles. And we would not be saved today had it not been for this great truth revealed by God to Peter. That now we as Gentiles get in on the good news of Jesus Christ. Now we notice that these new believers, not only are they Gentile, but they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this also indicates that when a person becomes a believer, their lives are forevermore changed. When a person gets saved and receives Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, they are not the same person anymore. The Bible indicates they are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. If someone tells me that they are a Christian, then I expect their living to reflect that. When someone tells me that they're a Christian and they go out on Friday and Saturday nights and they get drunk at the bar, and they once again tell me they're a Christian, I seriously doubt that. This is not the kind of behavior that a saved person would be engaged in. Now, it's true that we as Christians, we sin even after we're saved because we have a depraved, sinful nature. That is true. Nobody can argue with that. But I do believe that when a person is saved, their lives are different. Their lives are not the same as before. You take the Apostle Paul. He's a prime example here. Before 
Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, we find that Paul, who was then known as Saul, he was going around persecuting Christians, having Christians put into jail, and many of them, like Stephen, the first deacon, were killed. Now, Paul may not have thrown any stones at Stephen, but you know what? They couldn't have done what they did to Stephen without his consent. He had a pretty high position in the Sanhedrin. Saul, back in those days, had a position of authority where he could, in effect, put his stamp of approval on somebody being put into jail or put into prison and killed. It was like an arrest warrant. It was ultimately like a sentence of death. And Paul didn't have to directly participate in any of this. All he had to do was approve it. But in so doing, that made him just as guilty as anybody else. That's why Paul, a lot of times, would refer to himself as the chief of sinners. And really, that wasn't just a humble attitude on the part of Saul. Uh, he was telling the truth. He says, hey, I, I was the chief of sinners. Look at all the Christians I had put in jail. Look at all the Christians I had executed. And yet, in a sense, when Paul did all that, he actually thought he was doing the work of God. In his opinion, he was simply getting rid of the people who had rejected the law. He thought he was doing God's work. But in the process, he became the chief of sinners. And that's why Paul could tell his audience, look, if you could do all that I did and God can come in and forgive me, I can't wait to see what he can do for you. Because some of you haven't done stuff near as bad as what I've done. That's why I say I know that what God has done for me, even more so he can do it for you. See, the good news of the gospel is I can not only tell you how God saved me back in November 1969, but I can tell you God hasn't done anything for me that he won't just as freely do for you. All you have to do is be willing to receive as a free gift what God has done for you. Knowing that salvation is just that, it's a free gift. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't merit it. We're not entitled to it. But God, out of gracious faith on our part, does it for us freely. One of these days, I look forward to going to heaven, not because I deserve to go there, not because I've earned the right to go there, not because I've paid my dues to go there. I will be in heaven because of the graciousness of God. God doing for me what he's done for countless others and what God wants to do for you. And all you have to do is gladly receive 
that which the Lord is offering to you, a free gift of salvation. That's why I stand in front of this radio microphone and I can say no matter what you've done, no matter how bad it is, no matter how long you've been doing it, God loves you, God forgives you, God is willing to cancel that sin debt. All you have to do is receive it. I read one time about an issue that came up with the Supreme Court here in the United States. A man on death row had been issued a presidential pardon. But the man on death row chose to reject that pardon. He says, look, I deserve to die for what I did, and I'm going to die for what I did. I refuse to accept this pardon. Now, the prison officials were caught off guard. Should they carry out the execution? Or should they wait for the Supreme Court to issue a ruling? Well, eventually the Supreme Court got around to issuing a ruling. They said that a pardon rejected is no pardon indeed, and therefore the man can and should be executed. In other words, that man on death row, he had every right to reject the pardon, but if he rejected the pardon, then of course he had to receive the death sentence. And the execution had to be carried out, and so it was. God offers you that free gift of salvation. But it's up to you to decide whether you want to accept it or reject it. That's a great choice that only you can make. Nobody can make that decision for you. Nobody can get right with God on your behalf. It's just like if you walk into a garage, you don't automatically become a car. You can't go to heaven just because your parents are saved and going to heaven. You can't go to heaven just because you've got grandparents that are saved and going to heaven. You have to make that decision for yourself. It's up to you. You decide. God will not save any man or woman against their will. That's why you have a most important decision to make. And right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a very simple, short prayer. And if you pray this prayer or a prayer similar to it, God's going to save you. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, I admit that even at my best, I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. God, I invite you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and save me. And now, God, I thank you for saving me. And now that I'm saved, Lord, help me to live for you. Help me to read and study your word every day. And Lord, show me a good church to get involved in. Where I can help that church carry out their mission. For it's all these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now let me tell you something, folks. If you just prayed that prayer or a prayer similar to it, 
God has saved you and God has given you new life. And you know what? I would just love for you to contact me, either by email or snail mail. And, and you know, of course, I gave you that contact information at the first of the broadcast today. So all you have to do is contact me. I'll send you some free materials on how you can grow in the Lord. And I'll even help you find a church in your area to get involved in. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? <laughs> Don't fret none because I will see you next time on Sunshine USA.